Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, August 31st. James is out, but I'll be here with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that you need to know today. Number one. On Sunday, President Trump amplified his call for federal forces to help subdue protests in American cities. Trump's call came just a day after a deadly clash between his supporters and social justice protesters in Portland, Oregon. That clash underscored the threat of rising politically motivated violence. Trump denounced local Democratic leaders and fanned partisan tensions. My colleagues David Nakamura, Matt Viser, and Robert Klemko report that Trump supporters fired paint and pellet guns at protesters during a Trump cruise rally caravan through downtown Portland. The scene raised the specter that the nation's summer of unrest had entered a new phase, one where the president's backers are rallying to defend businesses and fight back against Black Lives Matter and other groups that he has labeled anarchists and terrorists. One man, thought to be a member of a pro-Trump group, was shot and killed Saturday night during the Portland unrest. Trump tweeted a video of the caravan on the move, and Trump called the participants great patriots. The reaction marked a sharp contrast to his silence during a large and peaceful civil rights march on Friday in Washington that drew thousands to the mall, where some speakers denounced his leadership. In a statement Sunday afternoon, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden unequivocally condemned the Portland shooting and accused Trump of fanning the flames of hate and division in our society and using the politics of fear to whip up his supporters. The violence has escalated as Trump has seized on the social justice protests as a campaign wedge, attempting to tie Biden to radical elements on the left. Eager to shift the political debate from the rising deaths and economic toll of the pandemic, Trump has relentlessly attacked Democratic mayors and governors for failing to quell protests. And he dispatched federal law enforcement authorities into cities to help arrest demonstrators. This week, both Trump and Biden will move to address the protests in a more prominent way. Trump, on Tuesday, is set to travel to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the police shooting of Jacob Blake, a black resident left paralyzed, provoked street protests that culminated in the shooting deaths of two others. Kyle Rittenhouse, a white 17-year-old who had illegally obtained a rifle, was charged with first-degree intentional homicide in those killings, which came after a fledgling militia group had posted a call to arms on Facebook. White House aides said that in Kenosha, Trump will tour property damage and meet with law enforcement officials, but they did not disclose any plans for the president to meet with Blake's family. Meanwhile, Biden aides said the candidate who had maintained a lean campaign schedule will launch a more robust public presence with a speech in southwestern Pennsylvania on Monday to address Trump's handling of the pandemic and his response to social justice protests. Trump's aides, including White House senior advisor Kellyanne Conway, asserted recently that the violence and chaos will help his reelection bid. Number two. Senior intelligence officials will no longer brief Congress in person on foreign interference in the 2020 election. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence said Saturday that instead they will inform lawmakers of threats in writing. The Post's Ellen Nakashima reports that the decision made with the Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe's assent arose out of concerns that briefings to lawmakers have resulted in leaks of classified information. But the change threatens to undermine the community's pledge to be transparent with Congress and the public at a time when three foreign adversaries, including Russia, are seeking to influence the American political process. 
Democrats, led by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, immediately cried foul. Pelosi, in a joint statement with Congressman Adam Schiff, called it, quote, betrayal of the public's right to know how foreign powers are trying to subvert our democracy. In a briefing Saturday, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows defended the decision, saying, quote, the last time they gave briefings, a few members went out and talked to the press and disclosed information they shouldn't have. The move follows a public statement from the director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center saying that Russia is using a range of measures to interfere in the 2020 election. He also said the government of China does not want Trump to win re-election because Beijing sees him as unpredictable. The top counterintelligence official also said Iran is seeking to undermine U.S. democratic institutions and Trump and to divide the country in advance of the 2020 elections. His statement drew criticism for appearing to ascribe equal significance to the three countries as an election interference concern, when in fact Russia is viewed as posing the greatest immediate threat. Number three. More than a week ago, President Trump sent an accusatory tweet that said the deep state at the Food and Drug Administration was trying to sandbag his election prospects by slowing progress on coronavirus treatments and vaccines until after November 3rd. Post reporters Lori McGinley, Yasmin Abutaleb, Josh Dossie, and Carolyn Johnson report that the FDA commissioner, Stephen Hahn, was shocked and upset. He immediately began calling his contacts at the White House to find out why the president was angry. During his conversations, he mentioned that the FDA was on the verge of granting emergency authorization to convalescent plasma as a treatment for COVID-19. The agency planned to issue a news release. The White House would upend those plans, turning a preliminary finding of modest efficacy into something much bigger, a presidential announcement of a major therapeutic breakthrough. At a news conference on the eve of the Republican National Convention, Trump allotted an emergency authorization for convalescent plasma as a very historic breakthrough. The FDA commissioner was initially restrained, but then doubled down on Trump's talking points. He said that 35 of 100 people with COVID-19 would have been saved because of the administration of plasma. That's a gross overstatement that's been denounced by scientists and public health experts. The misrepresentations became a stunning debacle for the FDA, shaking its professional staff to the core and undermining its credibility as it approaches one of the most important and fraught decisions in its history amid a divisive presidential election. That's deciding when a COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective. Yet again, the president had harnessed the machinery of government to advance his political agenda, and the effects are potentially corrosive on public trust in government scientists. Han apologized the following day for misspeaking, saying on Twitter, the criticism is entirely justified. But demoralized employees felt he had allowed the agency to become a prop in the president's re-election campaign, a bit player in a reality TV show scripted by political operatives, not scientists. It wasn't so much the inaccurate use of 35%, anyone can make that error. What rankled agency insiders was the way a defensible FDA decision to authorize an incremental advance for a disease with few treatments has been described as a huge leap forward in an over-the-top White House rollout. How, they wondered, would the FDA have any credibility on a vaccine decision if it bungled something much simpler? The incident was just the latest misstep for the FDA following flip-flops earlier this year on authorizing and then revoking clearance for the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine and its initial decision not to regulate COVID-19 antibody tests. It also feeds a long-running narrative of a White House repeatedly undermining its health and science experts, not just at the FDA, but also at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, August 31st. Stay safe and thanks so much for listening.